Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast for two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. So we are on the third season finale. Can you believe it, Caitlin? I can't. I've been waiting for this episode <laughs> since we started the pod, so... <laughs> Ever since 2020, when we began this as a pandemic project, essentially. Well, we will be taking a hiatus for the summer months, but we have a lot going on for our Patreon supporters. So as a little thank you for waiting, we have a few gifts for all of you. In a few days from the time you listen to this episode, on Sunday, June 4th, at 2 p.m. Eastern, we will be having a live watch of Season 4, Episode 1, the same deep water as you for our patrons at the $2 level and up. So you may have to wait a little while for our discussion of this, of season four, episode one, but it's just another week. You can watch it with us and then we can all chat about it. And get hyped for season four. Woo! <laughs> yes. I'm going to try to make a conscious effort not to watch the episode until the live watch. Because obviously I know what happens and everything like that because I've watched the show before. But I feel like it'll be fun to, like, organically react with everybody watching it with us. (laughs) True, it definitely will. But yes, that'll be happening in our Discord server, again, for our patrons at the $2 level and above. So if you want to join us, again, Sunday, June 4th at 2 p.m. Eastern. So that's for June. In July, we'll be having a mailbag episode for our $5 patrons. You can send us emails and voice memos as well to alwaysothpod at gmail.com by June 30th, and we will respond to them directly in a special bonus episode. And if you're not a patron and you send us a message, we'll still send you the episode directly to ensure you get to hear our response, regardless of whether or not you're a patron. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to answer questions. Yeah. And you can feel free to ask us anything you want to. Like, think of it as One Tree Thrill on Drama Queens, but we'll come up with a better name than that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I've thrown subtle shades at that yes, really I was just gonna say <laughs> that really poorly named pod. I'm sorry, I love the drama queens, and I don't think this is Hillary, Joy, and Sophia's respons- like responsibility for naming it that, but not my favorite name. <laughs> it's kinda clever though. Sure, sure, let's go with that. I All don't right, know. Let's... I don't think it's that bad. But we can definitely come up with something better. <laughs> <laughs> so that's happening in July. And in August, specifically on August 6th, we will be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the 2003 film Freaky Friday, starring a certain actor named Chad Michael Murray, but he's just a side character. The most important people in the movie, though, are Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan, and that'll be in an episode of our movie podcast, Baker Soundstage, and that will also be available for our $5 patrons. I haven't seen that movie in so long, so I'm really excited to rewatch. I don't think I've seen it since it actually came out in 2003. That long? Yeah. Oh, I definitely <laughs> saw like reruns of that in high school. Yeah, I've definitely only seen it once, so I'm really excited to see like how well it holds up. Yeah. Oh my god, you've only and, seen it once? Yeah, and I really love that movie, too. Like, I have memories of it, but again, I've only seen it once, so I'm excited to be talking about it and diving in. Yeah, same, because it's been a long time for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But those are some of the events that are happening uh, in the Patreon space. Uh, visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod 
for more information. And we should also note that even though you'll be waiting a long time for our fourth season premiere, our patrons at the $10 level will also get early access to episodes. So if you join at that level, you'll get the episodes before everyone else, and that's pretty damn cool. All right, but enough about all those announcements. Let's move forward, because this week we are discussing The Show Must Go On, the 22nd episode of season three which was written and directed by the creator and showrunner, and originally aired on the WB on May 3rd, 2006. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. On the morning of the wedding, Nathan wakes up from a nightmare with Haley screaming and her special bracelet floating in the water. Throughout the day, Nathan worries if Haley is okay, but the wedding actually goes smoothly and Nathan and Haley have blissful moments together. But there is lots of drama going on with everyone else. Dan tells Deb that Keith was the one who tried to kill him in the dealership fire, which leaves Deb speechless. Later on, she confesses to Dan that she was in fact the one who tried to kill him. This causes Dan to apologize to Karen for how he treated her, Lucas, and Keith, and she responds by telling him that she's pregnant. Brooke is extremely angry with Peyton because of her confession that she has feelings for Lucas again. Peyton tries to tell her that she is going to bury her feelings and that it won't be like last time, but Brooke doesn't want to hear it and slaps her in the face. Lucas accidentally reveals to Brooke that he and Peyton kissed during the school shooting, which makes Brooke even more upset. Lucas tells her that the kiss didn't mean anything, but Brooke insists that a kiss always means something. Brooke moves out of Peyton's house and tells her that their friendship is over. Cooper tells Rachel to stop calling him because they can no longer see each other anymore. Rachel gives a drunken speech at the wedding reception and calls out Cooper for sleeping with her. She runs out of the reception and steals the limo, and Cooper gets in to try to stop her. Lucas and Karen collect their things and leave the reception, and Lucas finds a purse with a pregnancy test in it. He asks Karen if she's pregnant, and she says yes, but that is not her purse. The whole bridal party has identical purses, though. So whose purse is it? Dan goes home and finds a murderer in red paint across his living room wall. As Cooper drives the limo, an upset Rachel takes hold of the steering wheel, and they lose control of the car, crashing into the guardrail and driving off the bridge into the water. At the same time, Nathan and Haley are driving in the opposite direction and manage to avoid the accident. Nathan jumps into the water to try to save Rachel and Cooper. Haley screams, Nathan calls for help underwater, and their special bracelet floats to the surface. Confessing to an attempted murder at my child's wedding, I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. Oh my god. (laughs) Here's to a love that will not alter, I'm Caitlin Illinich. Wow, we went a drastically different direction. Yes, we did. The direction. <laughs> I was pretending to be Brooke. <laughs> uh, speaking of speaking of Brooke's speech, I pretty much like soul and plagiarized like a good chunk of Brooke's speech. Sophomore year of high school, when we had to in honors English, we had to write a speech, and I chose to do like a best man speech, and I basically stole like some lines from Brooke's speech. <laughs> oh my god, you would. 
I did. And funny that, so this hypothetical couple that I named, I named them James and Bethany as well. <laughs> I love it. So, this yeah, my so one tree health. My one tree health and I'm doing no bounds in high school. This is a couple months later, dude. This is in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy. <laughs> I had to. But I anyway, wish I could see, like, your written speech for that. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I wish I could. It, it may be around my house somewhere. I can try to track it down. I'll share it to the Patreon supporters if I do find it. <laughs> yes. <that's> something, <laughs> that is something you're going to have to pay for. that's good stuff anyway so this episode is titled after the song the show must go on by queen this was an intense song and then because we're reading from genius lyrics we always look at our lyrics on that website and they have like a little um little information about it about freddie mercury basically this is one of his last songs as he was dying that he sang so oh yeah. real i didn't read the like history behind it oh that's interesting so did the song have like a i guess a symbolic meaning to him as he was basically he was i mean as he was dying like i guess this was the underlying message the show must go on like these are his final moments but like he's living life i mean i guess as much as he could at that point so it has kind of like an eerie kind of tone to it, like knowing the context behind that. Wow, that's really powerful. I did not mm-hmm. know that. Um, but it's similarly, I think that it's fit in a similar theme for this episode, too, because I think all the characters have so much shit going on, but yet they keep moving. They keep pushing forward with Nathan and Haley's wedding, and they keep moving forward with their lives. Yeah, and specifically, I connected it to Brooke. Because she has a lot going on with Peyton and with Lucas. Like, finding out that Peyton has feelings for Lucas again. And then there's so much tension between Brooke and Lucas in this episode. And they have that argument in the back room when they're at the wedding reception. I think she was trying to find her purse, but they were about to go out and also give speeches. So, like, that chorus, the show must go on, the show must go on, yeah. Inside my heart is breaking, my makeup may be flaking, but my smile still stays on. So, it really, like, it just really fits that moment. Like, she just had to put on a good face, even though there's so much going on. And she did. She, like, killed the speech. And you wouldn't have known that anything was wrong. But she had a lot of, like emotional stuff to deal with in this episode oh yeah at the same time though you're saying yeah you would never know but i feel like there was a lot of nuances in sophia's portrayal of that scene because you can tell her voice is shaken and she's like a little bit more quiet as well yeah so i feel like if you know there's something going on it'll like it it comes across but if you're just like a casual bystander at the wedding you won't know but she faked it well yeah exactly i personally thought like, oh yeah, she did, but like, but you could, but it's it's so good though how you could like tell that like you could tell that Brooke is fake, like Sophia's not faking it, Brooke is faking it, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I, I just really love like Sophia's acting, and I just goddamn it, give her an Emmy is all I gotta say. <laughs> like, while we probably don't agree with a lot of the maybe a lot of the stuff that she said in this episode, especially especially to Peyton, um. Sophia killed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, 
she had intense scenes in this whole episode, and she killed it. Mm-hmm. Also, as far as the song is concerned, the title, the show must go on. I think this might have also been a wink to the executives at the CW to pick them up for season four. Oh, that's <laughs> clever. Because at the time this episode aired, and, and of course, like when the episode was filmed, too, uh, we had no idea that One Tree Hill would get picked up for season four. As a matter of fact, I, I and I, I don't have the date written in front of me, but I, I double checked to make sure like when um, One Tree Hill was announced for season four. And it was actually just like about two weeks later. But yeah, this was like, that was like a wild two weeks because I was like freaking out. Like, oh my God, is this show going to come back for season four? <laughs> Are we going to learn the conclusion to these events? Because I was having a heart attack personally. Yeah. So thinking back to when this originally aired in 2006, because I was watching this live, I remember vividly watching this episode and my jaw dropped <laughs> when that <laughs> car went off the bridge. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's such like a, I know the drama queens always talk about it, like a sense memory type thing. I feel like they always use that that <laughs> phrase, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> but um, it's true. Like, I really do have like a sense memory of this episode. Like, sitting on my childhood bed, watching this on my TV in my room, and just being in utter shock that... <laughs> from what I was seeing and just desperately wanting, like you said, to know what happens next. And like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there has to be another season. Is anyone going to die? Who's pregnant? Who wrote on Dan's wall? There's so many fucking questions. There's so many mysteries. And like, this is my favorite, my favorite finale of, of One Tree Hill. As far as like the high soap opera moments of the sh- of the show, I'd say this is my favorite finale. I do ha- I do have a few other favorite finales that I like for different reasons. Yeah. But as far as like cliffhanger wise, I feel like this is the best finale. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yes. I find it so funny. There there was one recent episode of Drama Queens. I think it was Hillary who said it. Hillary's like you know, I talked to a lot of people who have watched our show, and none of them like the high soap opera moments. They all like the moments that are much more grounded in reality. And I'm like, what fans are you talking to? Because I love this shit. Yeah, I like this the gra- I like the great. grounded stuff too, but I really always appreciated One Tree Hill when it's like off the wall with like wild shit like this. Yeah, because they they talk about in the pod like how this show, and I think it, it definitely, like, in season one, started out really grounded in reality and, like, things increasingly get a little bit more wild <laughs> and continue to in following seasons. But um, I think this show strikes a good balance between, like, those soapy high drama moments that are kind of off the wall and then and the grounded reality. And I think fans like both of that. So to say, like, they only like grounded reality is not really accurate. Because yeah. I don't think you would have been watching this show, continue to watch, like, the whole series if you didn't like moments like this finale. Yeah, absolutely. And But otherwise, listeners, like, tell us, if, tell us what you think. Do you prefer the more grounded moments or do you prefer the, like, soapy moments or a balance of both? Let us know. Send us an email or a voice memo to alwaysothpod at gmail.com, and we will include that in our bonus mailbag episode. Great plug. Organic right there, baby. (laughs) 
Yes, that's perfect. I would like to hear people's thoughts because, I mean, I like both. There are certain things that happen in the show where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit much. But I do still like these moments. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, just as much as I like the sentimental stuff. So this episode is wild. I can't wait to start unpack this where yeah. do we begin jeremy yeah. i mean let's dive in so i mean first off i want to talk about the opening for this episode um so lucas says at this moment there are six billion five hundred and two million eight hundred sixty seven thousand one hundred and twenty people in the world then you hear the car crash and it's give or take a few and i want to know that that's only about like another like 50 ish million more than what was said by Peyton in the season three premiere. And I was just thinking to myself, how cool would it have been if they just subtracted two from the original number to account for uh, Ellie and Keith? Or or subtract more to make you theorize that these characters are dead. Oh, interesting. But granted, I know babies have to get born too and like the population increases. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but it's, it was just an interesting connection that I made, you know? Yeah. That would have been more symbolic to like the world of the show itself. Yeah, I'm like, come on, you don't have to, you, you don't have to actually give us like the exact number of people in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how accurate this data is. Like, you know, did they do like a census poll before filming this episode? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I do like the full circle moment because the season three premiere had the whole um, Peyton's wall. And mm-hmm. the six billion people. Like, I love that for full circle moment. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. Because that's like my, I don't know. I think it, it's one of my favorite quotes. It might be my favorite one. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. My MySpace displaying it at one point in time was, and sometimes all you need is one. Really? That's yes, cute. it was. For like for like a month or something like that. That's but cute. I do remember that being a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, remember MySpace. Anyway. <laughs> Good old MySpace. <laughs> Gen Z, for those who don't know, MySpace was a website that was like Twitter and Facebook, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually was fun. Unless you were kicked off of someone's top eight and you were left wondering why. Yeah, what did I do? <laughs> that part was not too fun. But having a music on your having a song on your page was cool that was amazing there and you can post like you know passive aggressive songs there okay (laughs) speaking of which there was one time when i was really mad at like a group of friends and i did put augustana's boston as a song on my myspace profile as well which is featured in this episode (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect yeah i feel like i'm having a lot of sense memories of this episode too honestly (laughs) Oh my god, and the music. I'm gonna have a whole little spiel about the music. Yes. Because I just... I I love it so much. (laughs) I just... I feel like we're just gonna go off on little tangents in this episode, because there's just so much to talk about. It is okay. Listeners, this might be a long one, and that's okay. It's like Um, a cultural... It's like a cultural moment. It, It truly is. But let's talk about everything that happens between... Brucus, Brooke and Lucas, and Peyton. And I gotta be honest about something right now, Caitlin. Say it. It's been a long time coming, 
but I feel like I'm ready to actually say this and reveal this to the world. I am no longer a Bruca shipper. Oh, man. That's a big reveal. It's been such a part of my identity for more than a decade at this point. But, oh god, almost 20 years at this point. Don't forget One Tree <laughs> One Tree Hill aired in 2003. And I just gotta be honest, like, rewatching this with a modern eye, I can't support these two being together anymore. And it's yeah. sad, and it's okay. I'm not saying I support Lucas and Peyton together either, I'm just saying I, I don't support Brooke and Lucas together. <laughs> yeah, and like, we've talked about this season, because I know I've brought this up, like... I feel like season two, Brooke and Lucas, when they were friends, but there was clear flirting and chemistry going on, I loved that. Like, what they could be. But in reality, in season three, what they are is not, it just falls flat, personally. Yeah, as we've talked about before, like, you just spend most of this relationship seeing Brooke be insecure. It's just full of anxiety. And this episode does not help. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's kind of like that Taylor Swift song, Out of the Woods. It's like, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? And it repeats that song over and over and over Ugh. again. I feel like that is so Brooke and Lucas because it's like, that's how Brooke feels. Like, are we out of the woods? Are, are we okay now? Like, and she was always worried about Peyton having feelings for Lucas. And then that reality became true. Ugh, it's so complicated. I feel like the the moment when they when Lucas forgives Brooke and they have the moment at his bedroom door with the letters and everything, like that was the last really good moment. And then everything after that was anxiety, including the next episode where Lucas went off on a road trip with Peyton. You know? Yeah. It's been Ugh, I don't. This episode just makes me so sad because even though, I feel like Brooke has like her toxic moments in, in this episode, but you still do feel for her. So I guess let's talk about the bedroom scene and the slap and everything. Like Brooke just storms in and she tells Peyton that she was sleeping in her car, and she's like, "See, I had a horrible dream last night that my best friend said she had feelings for my boyfriend." Oh, but that wasn't a dream, was it? And then she starts gathering her things, and she says, Why now, Peyton? Why would you tell me you have feelings for Lucas now, when I have so much going on in my life right now, stuff that you don't even know about? And I'm just saying, like, that little line, put that in your back pocket. And also put Peyton's line in your back pocket, where she says, Well, so do I, okay? So just two lines put in your back pocket. They have stuff going on that... They're not necessarily telling the other person about. Yes. I do understand Brooke's anger in this moment. I feel like there's been so much buildup in this episode or in this whole season of Brooke being nervous about what has happened. Like Peyton has feelings for Lucas. So I understand that level of anxiety and worrying about that for so long, for months now. Now it has come true. She is upset. I get that. I don't know. I think it's extreme to say our friendship is over forever. You know, which she says later on in the episode. I think that is extreme, but I do understand her anger in this moment. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say I feel like 
she ended the friendship as a result of the kiss. Because at yeah. this point, she didn't know about the kiss. So, yeah. but what do you think about this initial slap that happens in this first scene? It's intense. <laughs> I can never imagine slapping any of my friends. Especially my best friend. <laughs> Honestly, I, I really cannot imagine ever getting to the point where I would do that. That That is extreme. It's in response to Peyton saying, like, well, you said last night that she really didn't miss him. And it's just like... Peyton like, shouldn't I, have said that. Peyton should not have said that. Absolutely not. I'm not saying she deserved to be slapped, of course, but... Yeah. It's just like... But yeah, like, I understand why Brooke is so pissed off. She's like, how dare you? How dare you twist my words or my words around to make yourself feel like you're not a backstabbing two-faced bitch, Peyton? Like, I... Like, I get it. Like, you know, Peyton, like, you know, reading too much into those words is saying a lot. Yeah, I don't think, I think that was an insensitive thing to say in the moment. And personally, I feel like they're both saying things that they would later regret, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, Peyton yeah. shouldn't have said that, and Brooke says really harsh things and actually slaps Peyton. It's just not a nice thing overall. They're also teenagers, so, like, emotions are on high. They're not really thinking with a level head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But the scene, like, it's kind of gut-wrenching to me. And then Brooke makes the comment, he's on the damn door, and she bangs the door, meaning Lucas is on her side of the door. And it's like just that reminder, like, we started this season so happy, they created the door, like, they were best friends, they had all these great moments together throughout the season, and now that is just, like, it's a really quick uh, change. Yeah, it's like a big reversal because they essentially started off by saying, like, we're not having any love triangles, hee hee. And then yeah. it's like, okay, well, now we're in one. And what the hell do we do now? So then, yeah, and then Peyton also says, like, I'm not going to, I'm going to bury it. I'm not going to do anything about it. It won't be like it was before. And then Brooke, I think, responds and says, do you hear yourself before? Like, this is happening again? Do we actually believe Peyton? That's my question. Can someone truly be best friends? Like, can she be best friends with Brooke, who, who's with Lucas, and have feelings for Lucas and bury those feelings? And there's no weird tension between any of them. Is that possible? I don't think so. As a teenager, no, I don't think so, because I feel like, you know, teenager, as a teen, you tend to wear your emotions on your sleeve and you don't necessarily know, like, what to do with them. So I feel like Peyton, like, she's carrying her feelings for Lucas around right now. And she's like, what do I do other than just express it and be honest about it? Whereas, like, you know, me, if I was experiencing this as someone in my late 20s, I would <laughs> be able to bury it. So I think you could bury it if you didn't say anything to anyone. Yeah. Like, anyone in the couple, at least. I think you could bury it, probably. Yeah. And maybe get over or it. Or just, like, if you have, like, a crush on someone, just enjoy it. Like I said in, the last in our last episode, like, you, you know, you can have a crush on someone and just, like, enjoy it and just be like, hee-hee, like, this, is, this person's great. But you don't necessarily have to do something about it. And as I said before, you should have a little bit of a crush on your friends because there's a reason why they're your friends in the first place. A crush, though, and and having like full fledged feelings for someone, especially a someone that you have a history with, like Lucas, is very different. So I will say that. Um, Fair. I don't think 
there's a world in which Peyton would just have a little crush on Lucas. So I think telling Brooke kind of opens up this can of worms. She she should have just, I mean, I know it's not really healthy, but she should have just held it in. Because what yeah. good would it do? You kind of knew. Or talk to a therapist. That yeah, would be great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like that's never going to happen, Jeremy. <laughs> it needs Nobody to. Nobody in Tree Hill understands uh, getting professional help. <laughs> I don't know. I just like kind of put myself in this situation. I'm like, this is a really awkward situation. My best friend knows that I like her boyfriend, but we're now all going to just pretend it's not. That's not reality and just exist now. Like you have to expect that Brooke's going to be upset. Yeah. And and Brooke did say, though, that, like, you know, you could have buried it and not said anything to me. So what mm-hmm. is that about? And even Peyton says, I don't know. OK, so, like, I feel like I could have a little bit of space for Peyton because she expressed herself, but even she doesn't fully understand, like, what was happening. Peyton's just basically like, it's 2006 and there's a lot of stigma around, around getting mental health <laughs> help. So I don't have a therapist to talk to. So I'm talking uh, to you. Yeah. Yeah, and I get, like, she was holding it in and all of the Jake stuff, like, it's a lot, you know, getting rejected from Jake, and Jake, like, Jake was kind of the one to bring up all this stuff with Lucas, which in a way, I feel like almost convinced her, like, well, maybe I do have feelings for Lucas. (laughs) I feel like the way all this was written, it's a little forced, uh, personally. We talked about in the last episode how... Like, is it really enough Peyton having a dream and talking in her sleep about Lucas? Like, is that really enough to, like, say, hey, we're not going to give this relationship a shot now? Yeah. Like, I I have dreams about random people all the time. Like, I remember there was one time as a child, and my child maybe like 13 or 14, my brother overheard me saying somebody's name. Like, I'm just going to use this person's first name. This person, her name was Paige. And I just said her name one night in my sleep, and my brother was convinced I had a crush on her because I was ta- I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, I, I didn't even remember the dream or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be judged on. I know I talk in my sleep. I don't want to be judged about that. Yeah, like exactly. the stuff that can happen. Like dreams are confusing, and I know they're they can be revealing at times, but of your anxieties or something, stuff like that. But you can't, like, take that as full truth. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of talk about dream interpretations, too. Like, like you can, like, look up, like, certain symbolism and whatnot for your dreams. But it actually has been proven that sometimes you're literally just dreaming and it doesn't have a deeper meaning or anything like that. Yeah, because you could be dreaming and feeling one thing and it might take the shape of, like, some random person or like some Mm -hmm. person you talk to that day or whatever you know it might not be like it doesn't all align is what i'm trying to say it can be all kinds of very different things and people and emotions i mean it's just your brain is like processing things so i i don't know i still think the dream thing is weird but here we are peyton has feelings for lucas Oh, God. And and I gotta say, like, (laughs) after this, though, like, there's a lot of very petty moments with Brooke. So, for example, when she sees Lucas, like, she's basically being, like, she's being kind of frustrated with him. And she says, I appreciate if you want to talk to Peyton today. And then she says, like, we had a fight. Um, I just have so much to do. And I'm late. 
I'm late to get ready. Which, again, another line. Put that in your back pocket. Put your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of, like, little clues littered throughout this episode. And then, um, and then there's another part where Brooke uh, walks off to Rachel, and then she says, oh, why don't we just find you a seat, friends? And then looks directly at Peyton as she says that, just to, like, try to prove to Peyton, like, hey, you're not my friends. Rachel is my friends. And then the comment when they're standing at the altar or whatever... Now I know what this looks like on a, this dress looks like on a witch or whatever. Like, this is really... And says, go brook yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a great response, honestly. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's just, why, why does it have to be this way? Yeah, I know. And then the question that I do wonder, and I know Peyton asked it, Brooke didn't really want to answer, do you love Lucas? Do you think Brooke really loves Lucas? I just got chills, like, with you saying that, because it's such a great, great question. Because signs are pointing to... (laughs) Not so much. At least from my view. I I don't think it's a straightforward, like, black and white, yes or no answer. I think it's somewhere in the middle, where she, like... You know, she does love Lucas... And she loves her independence at the same time. And those two feelings can coexist. But at the same time, like, I feel like she's feeling all these insecurities. And, you know, she's having all these outside pressures in her relationship where she's thinking, like, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it to go through all this hell for this boy because of, like, ever all these fights I'm having with my best friends and all these insecurities I'm having? Ooh, you put that perfectly. So I don't think it's a yes or no answer. And I don't think like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's an answer we ever get like within the text or within dialogue for the series. Because even Brooke says to Peyton, like, I have your answer, but you don't deserve to hear it. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about some of like the Peyton and Lucas scenes. Like there's so there's one moment where Lucas tells Peyton that she looks nice, but like the way chad is acting is so weirdly flirty yes it is flirty like, like yeah he's like smiling like i don't know if that was chad's choice or if he was directed to do it that way but i just feel like it just was not a good look at all i'm like lucas what are you doing here like you can tell somebody they look nice like there's nothing wrong with that but I just feel like within the greater context, like, I feel like I'm getting the vibe that, like, Lucas is playing Peyton, but I don't think that's what we're supposed to think, you know, or or playing Brooke, I should say, not playing Peyton. Yeah, I always have thought, actually, that that scene was a little weird, because it's like giving Leighton Shippers (laughs) hope, (laughs) kind of. I don't know, because it's such a quick scene, but you're right, the way Chad plays it, it's not just a simple... Oh, you look really nice, Peyton. It's the tone, like the inflection, like how he said it. There was a little bit, it was just, it wasn't neutral. (laughs) It wasn't a neutral thing to say to someone. So I don't really know what that's supposed to mean. I think it just confuses everyone even more, like viewers. Mm -hmm. And and they also, like, make, like, this eye contact. This look, I feel like this was okay. Um, But, like, they give, like, eye contact to each other while they're standing up at the altar. Like, that was okay. That was, like, a nice, subtle moment. And I feel like that was, like, showing that there's tension between the two of them. But, like, this moment, you look nice today. Like, that did not need to be in the episode. Especially the way it was performed. 
Yeah. And granted, who knows? Like, maybe there was a take where Chad, like, had a more neutral tone, and they just didn't use that take for whatever reason. So, (laughs) I mean, who really knows? Especially after your girlfriend asks you not to talk to Peyton. And then then he, he not only talks to her, but compliments her. So, well, that's tricky. Yeah, and I'm not saying he necessarily had to, like, listen to these requests, like, saying, don't talk to Peyton, like, that's, you know, that's his friend, like, you should be allowed to talk to her, but, like, maybe don't say something like, you look nice tonight, with, like, a little smirk on your face, like, stop it, Lucas, stop! (laughs) Yeah, I think complimenting took, took it a bit too far. Yeah. Also, I was thinking about, like, an alternative way to write this story, too. I feel like it'd be interesting to, like, reframe this whole thing, if Peyton was thinking she could give Lucas what Brooke isn't necessarily giving him, and that she'd love Lucas when Brooke doesn't. And I feel like that it would be great to like really push that idea forward. You get what I'm saying? I'm going back to the scene where like where Peyton asked Brooke, like, do you love him? Like, what if like, you know, like Peyton took that opportunity to be like, hey, like, I mean, not necessarily tell saw this to Brooke, but, like, maybe say it to herself. She could say, like, Brooke, you don't love him. I do love him. I can give him, like, I could give him happiness, and I know you can't. It'd be interesting to reframe it that way. Again, not saying that to Brooke directly, but, like, saying it to herself. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. having that sort of internal conflict. That could be interesting. But I don't think the show really goes into that, unfortunately. No, yeah, comparing the two and what they each offer, that could have been interesting. Yeah, but Brooke dances with Lucas, and she says, Peyton told me some stuff about the two of you, and then that's when Lucas reveals that, oh, that kiss meant nothing, and this is something Brooke did not know about. You gotta let the other person talk first, and not (sighs) jump in. This is just a life lesson for everyone. (laughs) Just let, when someone says, I heard things about you and this person, let them finish, hear what they have to say, <laughs> and Caitlin then is respond. Is saying this as somebody who has kissed a lot of people that she shouldn't have kissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She's right. Like, wait more. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, though, this happens so many times in shows. I feel like from Lucas's perspective, he's like, well, what else could have happened? Like, what else, like, <laughs> what and else happened between me and Peyton? <laughs> what was Brooke actually going to say in that moment? Was she going to say, Peyton told me that she has feelings for you? Was she actually going to do that? I don't think Brooke was going to say anything. I think she just, like, wanted to, like, investigate and wait. For- she, she, I feel like she, I feel like this is exactly what she wanted. She was, she said this because she wanted Lucas to say something to confirm, like, whatever thoughts she was having. Yeah. So I feel like this is exactly what she wanted. And she's like, okay, well, now I have my answer. Now I have, like, hardcore evidence that, like, hey, I'm not making this up in my mind. This is something I should be upset about. And oh, that that argument between her and Lucas, though, it just, like, brings me to fucking tears. Sophia is such a good crier. I mean, mm-hmm. that that scene felt real, and, and you have to kind of believe that they both tapped into their past relationship <laughs> in that scene. I mean, I feel like, whew, that must have been a tough one to, to film. Yeah, the line when, like, when Lucas says, I love you, Brooke. I don't know how else to say it. 
And she's like, how about how you show it? I am not pushing you away, Lucas. I'm holding on for dear life, but I need you to need me back. Okay, why? What did she tell me about the kiss? And why didn't she call me while you were away? And why won't you ever just let me all the way in? And then she cries, and then she says, we have to go and give our toasts now about love. And then Lucas is like, don't be mad. And she's like, I'm not mad, Lucas. I'm not mad. And it, she's not mad. She is crushed. And this is something Sophia actually said um, in the audio commentary, which, by the way, thank you so much, friend of the pod, Jenna Lenskold, for letting <laughs> Caitlin and me borrow the season three DVDs because our last disc of our box sets died. So... <laughs> Jenna brought it from the other side of the country yeah. so we could watch it. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks, Jenna. My whole season three DVD box set is like done. I need to get a new one, but like it's just going to be a used one from someone because they don't yeah, make probably, them anymore. Yeah. yeah, I think there's like three, di- it's a six disc set. I think there's a total of three discs that just don't work. And it, it's very unfortunate. Probably shows how often I watch this season on DVD, though. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, what what did Sophia say on the commentary? That uh, she, she was talking about like, yeah, Brooke is not mad. She is crushed. She is absolutely devastated about like what is happening right now. And, I feel um, that. And I also want to point out, too, that Lucas says, and and I hate that Lucas says this, too. He says, why can't you forgive me, Brooke? I forgave you. And then Brooke's like, for what? And Lucas is like, for sleeping with Chris Keller. And it's like, these are two different situations, Lucas. This is not the time to bring this up, also. (laughs) It's just like what Brooke, like, says, like, I can't believe you would use that as a bargaining chip. And yeah, that's absolutely right. Because Brooke says, like, hey, Lucas, I loved you for that. I loved you for forgiving me. You had such grace in that moment that I fell in love with you all over again. And I get it. So, like, that's got to be very hurtful to, like, have that, like, you know, shot back in your face like that. Like, saying, like, oh, I did this shitty thing. But, like, oh, like, you know, you did something worse. Or... I know, and I feel like we never get Lucas... Brooke never gets the full explanation of the kiss. Like, Peyton thought she was dying. He might have said that. I I can't really recall. Lucas did say, like, you know, it it wasn't a romantic moment. But he did, yeah, he did say it was not a romantic moment. But I feel like the full context of that should have been given to her. And maybe they should have just said something to begin with, like, right after the school shooting. But I know there was a lot. There were more important things to deal with with keith with keith dying i really don't think there's a world though where this kiss would be thought of as okay it's a brook though yeah i don't I think like oh you thought you were dying okay fine like i don't think there would ever be a world where yeah that happens and i i think you're right i think there's probably never a world in which lucas and peyton would kiss and it wouldn't mean something also oh yeah a kiss always means something. Not true, but in this context, yes. The kiss does. <laughs> I think in the context, yes. I totally agree with that. I don't think every kiss does mean anything. But I think there are definitely certain people where, yes, it does. <laughs> and in this case, I think it's a loaded kind of... I don't know. It's a complicated thing. Like I, I feel like two people who have history, 
you know, kiss and an almost dying moment. <laughs> I, even though I see like she was almost dying. So, and it really wasn't a romantic moment, but at the same time, I feel like it does mean something to some extent because it's them and they're, and they have a history, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think Brooke would ever understand it. I just want to go back to what you were talking about. Because you were you yeah, were sure. you were doing a rapid fire of all the dialogue. <laughs> like just can we Sorry. rewind one second? Rewind, please, and then we'll fast forward again. Yes. <laughs> so the moment when basically Lucas and Brooke are both saying like, Lucas is saying to Brooke, "You're pushing me away," because she was kind of pushing him away that the day of this episode. So I get why he feels that way. And then Brooke's also saying, like, you'll never let me all the way in. Because we know that earlier this season, Brooke was kind of dealing with with those emotions. Like Lucas, he went away with his mom to deal with Keith's death, didn't really call or anything. And she felt like um, the, also the part where, like, Lucas saved Peyton from the school shooting. And Brooke says, you know, I wish someone would... Wish you could save me sometimes. Like, there's all these insecure moments of hers. And I just, I I find it interesting that they're almost saying the same thing. They're accusing of each other of not, like, letting each other in. Push, pushing each other away. Yeah. And also, don't forget the blackout. So, when Brooke found the, saw the letter that Lucas wrote to her, it was, it was the same words in a letter that he wrote to Peyton as well. Yes. So, and that was an argument for the two of them. So, yeah, the, the, there's there's a lot of evidence that Brooke is, like, pushing him away. But, like, I don't think she that, she's not pushing him away, though. Like, I think there's, these are valid concerns that she has, and they're kind of being dismissed a little bit. Yeah, I don't really think she is pushing him away. In this episode, she is, because she was getting mad at Lucas without Lucas even knowing what, like, she was mad about, which I don't think was fair. Like, she was irritated with him when she came over. She was getting ready before the wedding. And he's like, wait, what is going on? So definitely didn't agree with that moment. So I, But I can see that as her, like, I can see why Lucas would say, you're pushing me away. You're not telling me, like, what's going on with you. But I think the rest of the season, Brooke hasn't been doing that. I think Lucas has been the one. But I, but, I mean, it's just so complicated because he was dealing with Keith. So I don't even know if I would really say that Lucas was necessarily, like, purposely pushing Brooke away, either. I feel like the um, Lucas going away with Karen and not calling Brooke, I feel like the, it may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, because yeah. of, like, all these insecurities she was having throughout the back half of this season. And I feel like the fact that he wasn't calling her was just like, you know what, like, I don't think he needs me. Yeah. I really do think that Brooke or that Lucas loves Brooke, though. I know we talked about, does Brooke love Lucas? I think Lucas does love Brooke. Yeah, and I think Brooke loves Lucas as well. Yeah, because it's very clear, I think. But you, as we say all the time, you can feel multiple things at yeah. once. Which, that should be a line for a Always and Forever drinking game. <laughs> but also... um, one note, though, because I, I feel like that was an organic transition to, like, the last scene between Brooke and Lucas in this episode, but I do want to point out, during that argument, we have Chekhov's purse, 
because Brooke is looking through all the purses trying to find her speech. And she's like, damn it, why did I get everybody identical purses as wedding gifts? Another thing to put in your back pocket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will get back to the purses. <laughs> uh, but then but then the last episode, the, the last episode, in the last scene between Brooke and Lucas, they dance together and Brooke is like, did you miss me while you were away? I really need to hear your voice. And then she says, there's just so much stuff going on with me. And then Lucas is like, what kind of stuff? And then Brooke just looks at him and then just gives him this deep kiss. And ugh, I feel like there's so much emotion behind that kiss, honestly. It's a and sad I feel like kiss. this is like a big reversal of the season two kiss, though, because, um, you know, Lucas was the one who kissed Brooke. And then Brooke is like, tell me that wasn't a goodbye kiss. And I feel like in this moment right here, again, like, I mean, it's not a year later in Tree Hill time, but a, re- but a year later in, like, real life when we're watching this, I feel like it does kind of feel like a goodbye. It's a sad kiss. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's, it just doesn't feel like a romantic kiss like it did in the uh, season two finale. No. <sighs> and it's just very, very heart-wrenching. It really, really is. But again, she says she has so much stuff going on with her, and she still doesn't answer. Is it something internally that's going on with her? Or is it something, like, more out in the world? It is unclear right now, and I don't know the answer to it. Or at least for now, we don't know the answer, but we will in the spoiler segment. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we spent a lot of time with Brugus and Peyton. (laughs) They deserve it. (laughs) <laughs> yes i mean honestly like that was a big chunk of this episode so mm-hmm. i'm not surprised but the adults also had like quite a bit going on we see that dan had quite a bit of guilt he's trying to tie lucas's tie into this hell's life without basketball and lucas is like it's better than a life without keith so i feel like that's like you know planting the seeds a little bit that dan is feeling a little bit guilty and Oh, and I also want to talk about a deleted scene that happens. It's between Dan and Mrs. Edwards, Jimmy Edwards' mom. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so she apologizes to Dan about about Jimmy killing Keith. And then, like, you know, Dan just breaks down and just cries in front of the gravestone. And a part of that was, re- like, the, the part where he, like, sits out and cries in front of the gravestone was actually made it into the episode. But, like, that extra context behind the scene is very interesting. Yeah, you just see, in the actual scene, you just see, like, the younger Keith in the tree behind him. And then Dan cries at the gravesite. But yeah, having that extra context. Although, being at a wedding and then stopping to go to a cemetery and then have this whole conversation is just a little weird (laughs) to me. But okay. I understand he's working through his guilt. Stop by the cemetery twice. (laughs) Twice on the same day, yet alone. I know. So we didn't even get to like the the main part of this. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't even <laughs> yes. say it yet. <laughs> what did we say? What, what, I, what I don't we know. Say? You were jumping in to the gravesite. So earlier, Dan said to Deb that Keith tried to kill him in the fire. He found that yes. out or whatever. And Deb is is shocked to hear that because she knows that's not true. And mm-hmm. then later on. Right after the wedding ceremony, Deb confesses and says, like, the best... Don't you say like. You better say this word exactly as it is. Oh, I know. I'm getting to... I'm flipping my page. Excuse me. 
was about to say, this line is iconic. Do not kill it, Caitlin. <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> she says One like, of... I'm like, you better not be paraphrased, and you better not be paraphrased. No, I'm not paraphrasing. I'm, I was just transitioning and trying to get my thoughts together. But yes, Deb confesses to Dan, and I will read a dramatic reading. Please, please, please. Open your eyes, Dan. I don't love you. I'm not coming back to you. And Keith didn't try to kill you. I did. And then she Dang. just walks away. Her walking down the aisle away from him as Dan is like dumbfounded. Like, <laughs> what? What did she just say? Mm-hmm. Mind blown. And that cue all of the guilt that we were talking about. Yeah, which, you know, yeah, that, that's what I've said. So that's the reason why he, like, breaks down. He's like, God, I killed my brother for nothing. He didn't do anything. Fuck. What do I do now? I mean, that is, like, the best Deb line there ever is. It is my favorite quote. I'm <laughs> Spoiler alert. It is epic, iconic, every word you can imagine. <laughs> it is the best. I have a I have a lot of feelings about that line, so I don't know if it's my favorite yet. I have a lot written down, but um, but I, I gotta I, I gotta understand that like Deb just wanted to tell Dan this, and and I was like, why did you do it? Just like just like Karen said, Karen was absolutely right. His need for revenge was buried with buried with Keith. Why tell him? Like <laughs> I'd say, just like let it go a little bit. Her confession is really given. Tell Cersei. I want her to know it was me. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe she just wanted to do it just to be iconic. Yeah. And you know what? Good for Deb. I I love this for her. I don't really understand why she would have told him, but okay, it's an iconic moment. (laughs) (laughs) For real. We'll leave it at that. Um, there's also another great deleted scene where it's uh, between Deb and Dan, and then Deb tells Dan, she says, let me tell you something. If you come after me for this, I promise you, I'll finish the job. Deb has a lot of great deleted scenes. <laughs> and this this episode is already so packed tight, like, I get it, like, don't have time for it, but... Yeah. Damn. And they actually revealed in the audio commentary that the episode was a minute longer, that the network approved that so they could have the extra time. Mm, yeah, exactly. It's, it's something I noticed, like a trend with One Tree Hill, though. Like, it just seems like they film a little bit too much. The fact that there's so many deleted scenes on the DVDs, it's just like, how did they think they had time for this? <laughs> Honestly, at the end of the day. Well... I think they also see how the scenes play out and what works in the end. You rather have more than less, so I can kind of understand it. How does how does the scene read when it's actually like how did it turn out? You know, they have the option. I'm just thinking about the actors how how the actors had to like, you know, probably work like extra few hours for like a minute scene. They had to work probably like, you know, extra, like 10 extra hours or whatever for that one scene and it ends up not making it into the episode. Yeah. I feel like if I was an actor, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why did we do that? It's then? rough. There was, no, there was no point in doing that. It's funny, on uh, on Buffy, if you watch the commentaries for those, like, a problem they had was, like, the episodes were running too short, so they actually had to, like, add in extra content for some episodes. Wow, I've never heard of that problem before. Yeah. Interesting. 
So, but I feel like they knew exactly how to tell a tight story. I'm not saying One Tree Hill doesn't, yeah, but yeah. It, it just seems like they, it seems like One Tree Hill has a lot of, like, extra fat that they have to trim mm-hmm. here and there. But anyway, let's talk about how Dan apologizes to Karen for how he treated Lucas and Keith. And then, what happens after that? Karen reveals that she's pregnant, which that comes out of left field. There is no hints at all that she's pregnant. Talk about full circle. She's telling the father of her first child that she's pregnant with his brother's child 18 years later or whatever it is. What do you think about the fact that Karen tells Dan this information? It's funny because he's apologizing in so many words. He's apologizing about how he treated them and Keith. She doesn't really say anything in response to that, but she reveals that she's pregnant. I don't really know what that means. It's Is it saying, like, not we can rewrite history, but we can move on from the past in some way, at least? Like, Keith lives on? I don't know. What do you think she's really saying? I feel like this is kind of diving into the fact that her and Dan have a history together and that despite like all the bullshit that happened between the two of them there is some type of safety that she does still feel with him hmm. because I mean she even tells she tells Dan this before she even tells Lucas yeah and I really love the the moment when Dan tries to hug her but Karen pulls away but then she eventually gives in and like lets the hug happen I feel like that's very telling for like where they're at because she's like hey I do not want to give myself to you but for but right now I feel like you're the only person I have at the moment yeah it's a very vulnerable moment to tell someone that especially someone like Dan who she has a history with and another child with it's a really loaded thing to say as a response to his apology is it really accepting his apology or just not acknowledging the apology? Mm, that's a great question. It's kind of a rhetorical question. You don't necessarily have to have an answer. Yeah. I feel like she's not necessarily ready to answer it. Yeah. But I think she is willing to say, like, hey, but you know what? I am going to give you this little piece of myself. Yeah. In exchange for you apologizing. That's not necessarily me that I've accepted it, but whatever. I'm going to give this to you. I agree. But anyway, do you want to talk about happy things, this wedding? (laughs) Yeah, let's get into it. (laughs) So before we actually go to the wedding ceremony itself, um, Nathan's been having a lot of dreams, or not a lot of dreams, he's having a dream that Haley is in danger and he wants Haley to stay away from water. I'm like, what what did this all, why is... Why? Why is Nathan having these prophetic dreams all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, what are these premonitions? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) But, yeah. So he has anxiety about that, and he's asking, like, Lucas to, like, basically watch after Haley or check in on her. And then I thought the scene is so cute when... They're at the where the wedding is going to take place. They're at the location and Lucas and Nathan are talking and Nathan's like, call her to check to make sure she's okay. She's running late. So then Lucas does like a walkie talkie thing and gets Haley right away and then asks where she is. And she says, 
I'm right here. And she comes around in the carriage and she looks so beautiful. And it's such, to me, it's such an iconic scene, her coming around the corner and coming into view and and you see her and the Snow Patrol song's playing, which is so perfect. So some things to say about the Snow Patrol song. The song is called Chasing Cars. Um, something I thought was very interesting, because, uh, Lindsay Wolfenden was also present for this audio commentary, and something I noted is that they received this song a month before its release, because this episode aired on May 3rd, 2006, and the song didn't get released until June 6th, 2006, which I found to be very, very fascinating, because I didn't even know, like, that's how it worked. So that was, like, part of, like, uh, them building relationships with record labels and whatnot. And so they got to receive these songs early, and then the songs ended up becoming big hits. And I also want to say, this song is also well-known for Grey's Anatomy, uh, because this appears in the season two finale. But this episode of One Tree Hill aired on May 3rd, and the Grey's Anatomy episode did not air until May 15th. So One Tree Hill got this song first. Yes, they did. I actually saw that too. <laughs> because I feel like I feel like this song is such a between this song and Boston by Augustana. Though it's such a cultural moment to me. <laughs> like it is such a specific time period and those two songs were so popular and were constantly playing on the radio at this oh, yeah. time period. So to hear them both in this episode, I don't know. I just had so much nostalgia because I just think back to high school and these songs were a very specific moment in time and I love them. Um, But let's talk about Haley's uh, wedding dress for a second because I think this may be the last time we get to say this because I don't think... I don't think we get these. I don't think we'll get to do this in season four. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we will say. But I gotta say, name brand orange <laughs> soda watch. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> so Haley enters Karen's kitchen wearing a t-shirt with a certain name brand orange soda, and then she asks Karen if it's okay if she wore the wedding dress, which is cute, but also like Haley, Karen won't know. <laughs> yep. What was that scene? That scene, I think, could have been cut. Yeah, they could have cut this and kept the Deb scenes, honestly. Yeah, because Karen would never have known. Even if she did see the fabric, she probably wouldn't have noticed. Right, exactly. I guess they just wanted um, Haley and Karen to have, like, a nice moment before the wedding. With Karen, like, just basically saying, you know... Good luck. Or <laughs> I don't even know what Karen says to her. <laughs> you were gonna make a beautiful bride. Yeah. It's like okay, great. Like I don't. It wasn't anything with like a lot of substance, but it was just like Unless a cute moment. Unless they wanted moment. to give like Haley some parental moments because we know like Haley's parents didn't show up because their last wedding was kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, well, which is you know basically saying like they weren't gonna pay the actors to be in that episode because <laughs> what I mean they couldn't have fit. That what would have been the point of bringing them in because there couldn't have been a storyline with them, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, episode? you know, you, you can't have Huey Lewis and Bess Armstrong show up for like a two second scene, even then. So it's like, yeah, yeah like I, I mean, I understand. 
I understand creatively why it happened, but like in the real world, if you think about it, like her, her parents just didn't show up because the last one it was boring. I don't even think they should, needed to address it, to be honest. They could have just had Luke walk her down and that could have been what it was. I mean, I'm glad they referenced at the very least, because come on, like, the fact that her parents were not the one in, like, I'm glad they at least wrote something in, but say something else, say something like, oh, like, you know, they're playing, like, I was about to say their plane crashed, I'm like, that's a little dramatic. <laughs> like, their flight got cancelled or something like that, or whatever. Or, no, they're in an RV, right? Their RV broke down, and they couldn't make it in time. Say I don't know, like I that. think any excuse to not... <laughs> Any excuse to not go to your child's wedding is a stupid excuse, so. Yeah. I I mean, at this point, they're not on the show anymore. Haley's married and doing her thing. As all 17-year-olds are. So, they're, like, irrelevant, I guess. I don't know. They haven't been in the show in so long. So, like, as a viewer, you don't even really think about them. Right. But I do like how it led to Luke volunteering to walk her down and give her away, because I thought that was really cute. It was cute, yeah. It was a cute best friend moment, because they needed to have one of those. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about the ceremony. I, I just want to give, like, a rapid fire, like, uh, reference to some of these lines that are said as they're, <laughs> as they're like, walking, as all the characters are walking up to the altar. Peyton looks at Nathan, and she says, you had your chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Brooke says, want to make it a dull ceremony, Coop? <laughs> yeah, those are cute. And, um, I really like this one, and now it just shows that, like, Nathan Haley have come so far since the beginning of season three. I mean, just think about it, like, 21 episodes ago, they were not on good terms. I know, it's really nice. This is a fantastic wedding, um... The song that's playing, We Are Man and Wife by Michelle Featherstone, is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, and she was actually there singing it. Um, I don't know. It it really fit the moment, and I, I loved it. It's really beautiful. And oh, it was perfect. It's just like you feel so happy. <laughs> like, you're hearing <laughs> that music, and I know there's a lot of tension going on, but, like, you're so happy as a viewer for Haley and Nathan. And their yeah. vows are really, like sweet and they have that epic kiss at the altar like what's mm-hmm. what's not to love <laughs> what is not to love about them honestly and i like their there's also a subtle acknowledgement of their past i like when Haley says um it doesn't mean it hasn't been hard or that it won't be it just means that i found a stillness and bravery in myself with you i feel like that's acknowledging the fact that they've had struggles but like it's okay they realize the two of them love each other. And I, I feel safe with this couple right now. Yes. Yes. That's a perfect way to put it. There is such a safety there. There's such like a tenderness there. And Nathan even has a new reign. So like there's yes. like a new beginning for this couple right now too. I know. He surprised her with that. How cute. Mm-hmm. How did they afford this wedding? <laughs> <laughs> How? That's also what I was thinking when I was watching this. How? <laughs> Especially because they always talk about how they don't have jobs. <laughs> Come on now. How did they afford Michelle Featherstone? <laughs> Which, speaking of Michelle Featherstone, I gotta give a shout out to the scene that she has with yeah, Cooper. I was, you're gonna bring that up. <laughs> and, and, 
so I was like, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm a real big fan. Like, I like, I think all of your stuff is really great. And then Michelle Featherstone says, well, thank you. I think all of your stuff is pretty great, too. <laughs> and I'm like, get it, Michelle, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was funny it was beautiful um speaking of the reception let's talk about the first dance and lots of fun facts i don't even know if we talked about this in the last episode but in the last episode Haley said she had a first dance song narrowed down to three and Nathan said, oh, give me those three songs, and I'll surprise you on the day. So this one, we get to figure out what song Nathan picked. So they get on the dance floor. Right before the song plays, Haley says, what song did you pick? And then the song plays, and she says, oh, I was hoping it'd be this one. And then Nathan responds by saying, I had a little help. And you know who that little help was from? It was from us, the viewers. <laughs> True. I didn't catch that line as as what that was, but yes. <laughs> yeah, so there was Singular was running a contest where you had to choose between three songs that would play in the episode the following week. And as we know, there's Gavin DeGraw, the song More Than Anyone. That's the song that ended up playing. And this song originally played during Nathan Haley's Rain Kiss in the season one finale. And and um, the other song that was up for grabs, all I know is that it was a Ray Lamont's Hag song, and the only Ray Lamont's Hag song that played on One Tree Hill previously was Hold You In My Arms, which played in Season 2, Episode 20, Lifetime Piling Up. And that was the same scene when Nathan told Haley not to come home. So, I wish I remembered like what songs were up for votes, but... I feel like that's the only Ray Lamont Hag song it could be. Huh. That's weird. <laughs> that's like such an odd choice. And apparently, according to the commentary, they actually played that song like while they were filming. I guess to give the give the character something to dance to. Interesting. But again, it's such a weird choice. And what was the third one? I couldn't I couldn't find that information either. Um, but I would imagine it was probably Lie in the Sound by Trespassers William which played during their Nathan Haley's first wedding. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's what I think. And listeners, if you have any access to that information, like if you have your old singular cell phone with the text message, like asking the bell. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure people have that. Oh, I still have my old, I still have my old razor with like old text messages, actually. It's Are a, you it's serious? A, yeah, it's a time capsule, Caitlin. It's great. <laughs> oh my God. Do we have texts on there? Yeah, there are old texts on there. Interesting. <laughs> With the T9 texted, yes. Wow. But yeah, I from what I remember, I'm pretty sure I voted for Lion in the Sounds if that was an option. I feel like that's something I would have voted for. But I'm glad they chose more than anyone, especially because later in the episode, when uh, Nathan and Haley drive off, they say they're going to London. And Lucas is like, doesn't it always rain there? And then Nathan's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel like choosing, like, uh, more than anyone is a great, like, callback to that moment. Yeah. It is. And granted, like, when we voted, we didn't know. We didn't know that line would be used, of course. I don't even know if I would have voted, because this was so soon after I started watching. I don't even know if I would have cared. Yeah. <laughs> 
don't know if I would have cared. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I started episode 18. This is only 22. Like, would I have cared enough? You probably wouldn't have even known these songs. I remember having an opinion. Yeah, I probably Like I said, I'm pretty sure I voted for Line in the South, but I remember being, like, very passionate about voting for whatever reason. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I am not surprised. At the time, I did not have my own cell phone, so I used my mom's cell phone to send a text message. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Flip phones. But yeah, like like I said, I'm really glad they chose this particular song. And but I would still like to see the these scenes with the alternate songs. Like, and I'm pretty sure somebody has it on YouTube, like where they included the other choices, just to see what it looks like. I feel like that would have been a cool deleted scene, though. Yeah, just to see like you know how each one would work. And I feel like any of these songs could work. And even the Ray Lamont Pag song, I feel like like that's a beautiful song. Hold you in my arms is. A very romantic song, but I just don't think it works for the context of Nathan and Haley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like choosing a Gavin DeGraw song in general is, like, the way to go. Oh, yeah. So, I think it's a good choice. It has a lot of meaning to the whole show, and then to also them as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, shall we talk about the speeches? We already talked a little bit about Brooke's speech. And then Lucas and Cooper also gave speeches as well. I don't think I have much to say about Lucas and Cooper's speeches, to be honest. (laughs) Why did Cooper even give a speech, honestly? I know, because, well, Cooper was, wait, who was, he was, um, yeah, why would he, why would both of them? I I mean, they never actually put this in the text itself, but I just always imagined Lucas being the best man. Yeah, but I don't really know if that was true. Because why didn't Peyton give a speech, too? That's what I was going to say. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless Nathan has two best men, and, you know, that's a valid thing to do as well. But I just think it's kind of funny that, like, both people on the curb side gave a speech. (laughs) I mean, they were... I feel like all the speeches are pretty decent, but Brooks was the best, by far. Oh, yeah. Because she had the whole... The Shakespeare quote, which was a nice touch. Lucas's was fine. (laughs) It was, it, yeah, it was just, it was, it fine. was just fine, honestly. Where, where was that Shakespeare quote from? I just looked it up. It's a sonnet. Sonnet 116, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just, like, one quote from it that Brooke used. And actually, the only part that's from it is, love is not love which alters when it alteration finds. And then what she says after is not even part of the sonnet itself. Even though yeah, it, I look, even the version of Nakoda, like, they seem to, like, cut around some things, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, like, truncated, because um, Lucas says part of it, and then it skips a lot, and then another part's used, and it skips, like, yeah, so it kind of skips around and takes parts from the sonnet itself. It's not, like, a direct quote, exactly, as it was originally written. And then we also get a speech from Rachel. <laughs> yes, we do. And it's a toast to Cooper's toast. Oh, God. So much regret in this moment, Rachel. <laughs> Secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. I'm feeling it so hard. Um, She's drunk. Okay. <laughs> but she says, like, you know, 
Liz and Haley are 17. What do they know about love? Because according to Cooper, a 17-year-old could not possibly know anything about love. But that didn't stop him from having sex with me, okay? Oh, and my then she's God. Like, to sex with Cooper. And then she, like, swirls a little glass right there. Like, oof. I just... God. You can't do that at a <laughs> wedding, Rachel. You can't do that. It's so <laughs> funny because everybody else, like, like Brooke, Lucas, and Peyton are all going through their own shit. But they never bring it to the wedding. And they make sure that, like, Nathan and Haley are still having a good day. Rachel cannot do this, apparently. No, because, like, remember she had the conversation earlier with Cooper, where he's like, you have to stop calling me. Like, we are not together anymore. You are 17. Is it 16 or 17? It has to be. It has to be 17. She's She's 17. And, like, we can't do this. And then Rachel, you know, was saying to him, like, well, you knew that, and then we did it more. Like, we had sex a few more times after that, that night. And he's yeah. just like, says, a hard, he's a hard you no. You weren't clear three times. You weren't clear three times that night. Yeah. So Cooper has stamina. Good for him. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, we can unpack that. Like, Cooper, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> you... <laughs> Come on, like, that is so wrong. He knew that she was 17, and they did it multiple times that night. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. He probably was like, okay, this is the last time, but then he probably... Three times later. Still kept doing it. And and I get it, like, you can, you can have some regrets, and you can sleep with people you don't necessarily want to sleep with. But I, I like the conversation they have later, so Rachel ends up stealing the limo, and then they, you know, and then Cooper gets into the car with her, and then they drive off, and they have a pretty great conversation. And Cooper says, like, hey, even when I thought you were older, I wasn't looking for anything serious. And you said the same thing. You were like, we are just having fun, Coop. And I feel like it was good that, like, he pointed that out. Granted, we didn't see what actually transpired, but I, I'm inclined to believe Cooper and his interpretation of events because he was like, hey, I wasn't, I really wasn't trying to lead you on. Like, this really was just going to be a casual thing. And I'm sorry you got hurt. Everything we know about Rachel leading up to this, you know, she's just been a casual dater. Like, she hasn't really wanted a serious relationship with anyone. So I think that is a believable thing. And I imagine... That's what she said to Cooper, and then she just happened to, like, have deeper feelings for Cooper as time went on, which is unfortunate. Because, like, I think I've said this before, like, this is really the first time that you see Rachel as really vulnerable. Because before that, she just plays, you know, she's kind of like a tough girl. Like, she doesn't really let people into her feelings, She's always making sassy comments and just playing the field. That's who who she is. And this is the first time that we see real emotion about anything. And just so happens it's with Cooper, who's not the right fit for her, obviously, because of the age thing. Yeah, Cooper actually says, 
are you out of your mind or something? Like, just talking about how she drove the car drunk. And then Rachel says, I must be to fall in love with you. So we actually have, like, yeah. evidence right there that Rachel is very, very vulnerable here. And it was very nice and very different to see from her. Yeah, it, it was nice to see a different side of her, even though it's, like, a really unfortunate situation because she's drunk and kind of belligerent at this point like she's yelling at him and just not happy and it's just not a good look but you know she is young so it's hard to like manage your emotions yeah and i'm really glad that cooper says like you know like we will we will talk about this but don't ruin it for nathan haley which of course she doesn't listen to but i feel like cooper is being very reasonable here like the whole thing about him sleeping with a 17-year-old, let's put that aside for now. I feel like Cooper is, like, dealing with the situation very reasonably and very maturely, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I agree. And he says, like, all right, let me take you home. And then Rachel's like, no, I left all of my stuff at the reception, my purse, my keys. So put that in your back pocket. Rachel left her purse at the reception. Yes. But yeah, there's a lot of things in our back pocket, so I think we should get into the the coda. Yes! There's lots more to come. (laughs) And the song that plays during the coda is Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You by Led Zeppelin. And some context behind this, Led Zeppelin famously always refused to license their music in movies and shows. And this is just one of the very few times that they allowed it. They apparently, like, relaxed over the years. Um, but I was actually reading a little bit about this. Um, there is a movie called Levy. Or, no, not the movie. Led Zeppelin had a song called Levy. My notes are all over the place. I apologize. Uh, ben Affleck had a film called Argo, and he wanted to use the Led Zeppelin song Levy in it. And the band uh, signed off on the song, but had one request, and I'm taking this from an LA Times article. Since Levy is the fourth song on side two of Led Zeppelin Four, they asked Le- Affleck if he could digitally change the shot so it looked like the character was putting the tone arm down at the correct spot on the record. And I'm like, go Led Zeppelin for having this type of bargaining power right here. <laughs> what? Oh my god. <laughs> What made them so extra, and I love it. What made them agree to be on a WB teen drama show back in 2006? I'm really curious about that. That is my big question. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out to the universe, but when we ask Lindsay Wolfenton when we secure her for an interview, this is something we need to ask her for sure. But first, we're at the reception. And Lucas finds a pregnancy test, and he's like, Hey, Ma, are you pregnant? And Karen says, Yes, I am, but that's not my purse. Oh, you know, maybe Brooke took the wrong. Brooke. Oh, and then it's man. like, oh, shit. Yes, there's so <laughs> many questions. The, the big question I want to know is, like, why does somebody have a pregnancy test in their purse? Yes, I thought that was so weird. <laughs> Who is taking a pregnancy test at a wedding? Also, it doesn't necessarily mean they're pregnant. Like, did Lucas actually open the box and say, like, oh, there's pee on this sack. Yeah, this person's pregnant. And then that's the thing. Like, why would, first off, why would you save it after you know the answer anyway? 
Or why would you have an empty box <laughs> in your purse? Or maybe it hasn't been used yet. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's really weird. Lots of interesting things. <laughs> I have a theory um, that I can say in the spoiler segment, but we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> and then next we're in Peyton's bedroom where we see Brooke packing up her bags and Peyton tries to plead to Brooke not to go. And that's when Brooke says that we are no longer friends anymore. Like, I gave you a second chance, and you totally blow it. Oh, it is heartbreaking. Like, the, like Brooke and Peyton's relationship, I feel like, is just as heartbreaking as any of, like, the breakups that we had. Like, I feel like this made me more sad than Nathan and Haley's breakup in season two, to be honest. Ooh, I think you're right. Because we're really invested now at this point with these characters. Mm-hmm. And this is an iconic friendship, so... Ugh. After that, we cut to the limo that Rachel and Cooper drive in. Rachel is crying, and she says, Is there anything I can say to keep you, Cooper? And Cooper's like, No, sorry, Rachel, there's not. And then Rachel in tears says, That's too bad, because there's something I have to tell you. Oh boy, what is that? Cut to! <laughs> what do we cut to, Caitlin? Now we're in the car with Nathan and Haley. And Haley says that she forgot her purse and has all the plane tickets in there. I'm like, how the heck do you forget that, first off? <laughs> but okay, Haley. <laughs> I mean, she just got married. Also, I have questions too. Like, are they going to go to the airport dressed like this as well? I know, right? Unless they're, unless they're planning to like, okay, we're going to go back to the apartment real quickly and then like, get changed. But no, they said they're going to leave the car at the airport. So I, I don't get it. <laughs> that like, is a really good point. I didn't even think of that, but it's so true. How, like you would. How long of a flight is it to London too? <laughs> Like, that's a long flight. Do you really want to, like, you know, f- like, do- sit in a plane in formal wear? Oh, hell I don't even no. think you could fit a gown in, like, an airplane seat. Like, you would just be <laughs> all over the place. That sounds like a nightmare. Like, honestly, like, I feel uncomfortable just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And so Nathan quickly thinks, like, let me call Lucas. And Lucas already has the purse, so they're going to meet at the bridge that's coming up. And that's when Haley, she tells him that uh, Nathan's good in a crisis. Nathan says, I don't know about that. And Haley says, no, you are. Good thing too, especially since I have something I have to tell you. What is, what is Haley telling Nathan? And it's right after the Rachel Cooper scene too. And then, then we come back to Rachel and Cooper. And then Cooper is like really distraught. He says... I don't believe you. And then that's when Rachel pleads. I'm like, pull over. I said, pull over. And then Rachel takes the steering wheel. And then they lose control of the car. And then we're back on the bridge. Haley says, look out. And then all of a sudden, the limo crashes off the bridge and into the water. And then Nathan and Haley get out of the car. Oh, my God. (laughs) So Nathan jumps into the water to get Cooper and Rachel. But Haley's like pleading, Nathan, don't. And that was like, that moment is like, oh my gosh, yes. Do not do it, Nathan. (laughs) Nathan's like, I love you. (laughs) He jumps and she's like, Nathan. It's so dramatic. 
But Nathan, you should not be jumping. But this is such a Nathan thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Also, I really hope Haley actually calls 911. <laughs> because <laughs> when do we see her get her phone to actually call 911? Yeah, she's just screaming help like that's going to do anything. <laughs> Nathan says, Haley, call 911. <laughs> so I'm like, I hope she listened and she wasn't just like too distraught, honestly. And I'm like, if she left her person, that means she probably left her phone. Hopefully Nathan left his phone in the car. So you really wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we flash to Dan's house. He gets home and he sees a murderer in red paint across his living room wall. And he touches the paint, and it's wet, like someone was just there. Is it paint, or is it blood? You think... Is it blood? I remember thinking it was blood. Oh, wow. Back then. I'm not saying it is blood. I'm not confirming or denying it. (laughs) 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 I'm just saying it'd be pretty damn cool if it was blood. Well, (laughs) I mean, red, regardless, does represent blood. (laughs) In this case, when it says murderer. It sounds like somebody knows that Dan is a murderer. Or is his mind playing tricks on him? Yeah, because now, like, his guilt, he now knows the truth. So his guilty mind is already kind of weighing on him. Yep. So that's up in the air right now. And then we go to Peyton's room where she's burning the drawing of her, Brooke, and Lucas, the one of them shooting at a heart, which... So kind of we I still don't completely understand the symbolism behind it, but it's a good drawing. And then we cut to Lucas and Karen in the car together, and then we see four purses just sitting there in the back. Oh my. We're back at the bridge. <laughs> Nathan and Haley are screaming for help. Nathan is now in like trapped in the car and he's saying help. Nathan Haley's up on the bridge. And then we get a Lucas voiceover taken from the sonnet. 116, you said, I think. Shakespeare's mm-hmm. one sonnet 116. Love is not love which alters when an alteration finds. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. Love alters not with time's brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. And then we see the bracelet float up to the top of the water. And that's where it ends. Hopefully the show gets picked up for season four, is what I'm thinking. (laughs) And the whole time the Led Zeppelin song is playing and it's just iconic. It's perfect. I mean, it's It's beautiful. perfect for this moment. Until the final moment when Lucas is saying, even to the edge of doom, and you see the bracelet and the song is like winding down. It's, whew, they nailed it. It was beautiful. And also, Joy's acting. I think her screaming is so, so good here. It's, I love it so much. I mean, I love the fact that she's screaming, but I do love her acting here. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Now we're left wondering who, who is potentially pregnant. We have all these people confessing yeah, so- <laughs> that they have something to tell someone. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's Haley and Rachel. We have those two. Like, they said, like, I have something I have to tell you. Cooper freaked out about something, so, like, that could be Rachel who was pregnant. I do want to know if Rachel is drinking, so if she is pregnant, she's not being very responsible about it. And then we have Brooke, who earlier said she was late and then paused and said, get ready. 
And she keeps saying there's lots of stuff going on with yeah, her. Yeah. So not entirely sure, like, what is happening there. And then we also have, uh, like, Pey- Peyton doesn't say anything directly in the episode, but she does say to Brooke, like, oh, so do I. I have stuff going on, too. So Peyton could also be a suspect as well. Because there are for four purses, but is the fourth purse supposed to be Karen? I don't know if she had the same purse as everyone else. I don't really know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm excited to find out who this is. There are so many questions at the end of this episode. <laughs> like, wait, can I? I, I don't God. know if I. I don't know if we, we. I think we can talk about this. Do you remember who you thought was pregnant when you watched this episode? And of course, try to try to erase anything you know after this point. I don't think I can answer that question, Jeremy. <laughs> You don't remember what you thought at the time? I do remember what I thought at the time. I don't think so. Okay. So, I do remember what I thought at the time, and I will reveal. I, at the time, I thought Brooke was pregnant. Does it turn out to be her? We can't talk about that yet. But, at this moment in time, I was like, oh, it's gotta be Brooke. Because I was following the little clues here and there. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. And I feel like okay. no, knowing <laughs> I already know, so like, I... You know too much. I, I don't think <laughs> so I can really give an honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on then. Let's talk about our top favorite moments. Uh, you already said your favorite quote, right? Yes. I love Deb's quote when she tells Dan that she killed Keith. And then my honorable mention, I love Lucas's voiceover at the very end. Hmm. What about you? I want to give honorable mentions to Michelle Featherstone telling Coop, I think all of your stuff is pretty great, too. <laughs> and I really like Deb's line, too. Open your eyes, Dan. I don't love you. I'm not coming back to you. And Keith didn't try to kill you. I did. Because, like I said, it's really given. Tell Cersei. I want her to know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta give a... I, I gotta say my favorite is what Brooke tells Lucas when she says... How about how you show it? I am not pushing away, Lucas. I'm holding on for dear life. But I need you to need me back. Why wouldn't you tell me about the kiss? And why didn't she call me while you were away? And why won't you ever just let me all the way in? And I think it all just comes down to Sophia's delivery. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I know. Sophia killed it in this episode. Absolutely killed it. But what was your favorite musical moment? I love the coda, um, but there were so many musical moments that I loved, but the coda was perfect. Um, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You by Led Zeppelin. But I also really loved their placement of Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol when Haley is pulling up on the carriage. That was epic. The Boston by Augustana. Um, when you see Brucus dancing at the end and Nathan and Haley are in, in the car going to the airport. And then, of course, More Than Anyone by Gavin DeGraw, like, for, for Neely's first dance. Like, they were just... <laughs> just name all the musical moments. <laughs> Honestly, those are all... All three of those are, are my honorable mentions because they're fantastic. I, I can't just choose one. But the Led Zeppelin song, best moment because it just fits it perfectly. What about you? I would have to say that's my favorite as well, but I do want to give a specific honorable mention to Boston by Augustana, just because I feel like that kiss between Brooke and Lucas is so heartbreaking. It's epic. I forgot how much I love that song. It's I so think good. at the it's... time, 
they overplayed that song so much. So I think after... Really, Boston? Oh, yeah. That was definitely overplayed. I don't think I was, like, super plugged into the music scene, to be honest. I think I only knew One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill was how I knew music in this era. <laughs> oh, that was definitely on the radio. And I think it was overplayed, so then I probably was like, I don't want to listen to that for a long, long time, and then just <laughs> didn't. But... No, I didn't even know it was popular. I was listening to the wrong radio stations, apparently. Yeah, I... That's how... That's at least my memory. It could be faulty, but, uh... I remember both of those. That Snow Patrol song was played a lot, too. So, epic stuff. What about your rating? Uh, I, I feel like I want to increase it after we talked about it, because I'm like, there's so much good stuff in this episode. <laughs> I originally gave it a four. Really? But I feel like with all the performances, all the musical moments, all the great story developments... I gotta give it five out of five mysterious pregnancy tests. Why? Why was it a four to you? I don't because you know what? I'm a tough grader, Caitlin, okay? There is no <laughs> world in which I'm gonna pretend this is not a five out of five for me and always has been. Because this was the episode that hooked me to the show to this day. It absolutely, I probably could have. If this episode didn't exist, I don't know if I would have continued watching this show. Like, I had only started... Oh, wow. I had only started a few episodes prior. But I distinctly remember seeing this. Jaw was dropped. I'm like, I cannot wait for the next episode. But I cannot say... I can't say that I necessarily would have kept watching if it weren't for this. Wow. So... Uh, this episode is absolutely <laughs> a five out of five identical purses. <laughs> We've all had the same thing. I am very, very passionate about it. It's the best finale to me. I feel like the only reason why I gave it a four out of five was because of all like the Brooke and Peyton stuff. Because I'm like, oh, they're just so mean to each other. And I and I was I was initially criticizing the writing behind that. But I feel like it's not really about the writing. I feel like it's more about the fact that I'm just sad that these two are fighting. Because I feel like everybody is saying their own truth. Yeah. But nobody is necessarily incorrect there. I hear that. So. And their performances. Yeah, five out of five. Their performances <laughs> as actors were fantastic. So, like, that ups it. Even if we don't necessarily agree with what the characters are doing. I feel like. Yeah. Sophia was so amazing. Oh. Everything about it is so good. It has all the drama. It has heartfelt moments. And you're wanting to know what's to come. Like, what more could you ask for? I love this episode and always will. Are you saying you you will love this episode always and forever? Always and forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's just, there's so much, like, like you said, there is, I feel like there's so much drama, but there's also good moments. So we have some romantic moments between Nathan and Haley. It's just a great episode for the series and i frankly can't fucking wait until season four yes i can't wait either but listeners we will be back for season four in september but until then join us over on patreon for several parties including a watch of the very next episode so you don't even have to wait for our discussion for it yes We 
Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll be seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is a reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. Haley's pregnant, Haley's pregnant, Haley's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> And you're going to have a really hard time keeping that secret because we get at the beginning of season four, we're led to believe it's it's Brooke. I'm so like, I have so much anxiety about how we are going to talk about that spoiler free. <laughs> because. Interesting. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It's so well. I remember even watching the first episode when the doctor comes in and says, well, you're definitely pregnant. And then the camera goes to Brooke first, so you immediately think, like, oh my god, it's Brooke. But then there's Haley sitting next to her, and then Haley puts her hand in Brooke's, and then Brooke, like, puts, like, both of her hands around Haley's hands. So it looks like Brooke has comforted Haley, even though even though we're led to believe Brooke is the pregnant one. So it's just very interesting, though, because, like, if you rewatch the episodes knowing Haley is pregnant, it all tracks. It also makes sense. I feel like it's done very brilliantly. It's really strategic how they do it. Yeah, but you're not necessarily thinking about stuff until you know. And then when you rewatch, like, oh, that's how it is. Got it. Yeah, it's it's clever. Yeah, we're really going to have to talk around that. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, also, Hoover Murderer on Dan's Wall. It's Abby, and I still think that is the weirdest story choice of the show. Really? It it doesn't track for me. I mean, it makes sense she was let out into the hallway. I mean, it makes sense, like, like that, but, like, are we really allowed to believe that that character would, like, blackmail somebody and write murderer on the yeah, wall? Yeah, yeah. I know. And even, like, the reason behind it, when it's revealed and everything like that, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And how she tries to tell her mom, and her mom says, no, 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 we can't do this. We can't, we can't tell the world this. That is the mayor. And I'm like, come on, girl. Yeah, it is a weird choice, I guess. It's very forced, though, and it just makes you wonder if the writers knew who wrote this. But I like the idea that someone saw and blackmailed him. I just think that maybe the person, there wasn't enough motivation behind that person to make it make sense. But I do like the concept of of how that's revealed. Like, it was through an observer, you know, who saw it that day and didn't say anything. And then is blackmailing him. That's kind of an interesting concept to me. But yeah, choosing Abby as the character maybe doesn't work as well. I don't know. I remember the the leaks for the show revealed that Mouth <laughs> was the blackmailer. Oh, interesting. 
which turned out to be incorrect. Yeah. But I remember reading that and thinking like, oh, interesting. Also, um, I didn't say this like in the actual space of the episode, but as far as like who was in the limo itself, I remember this was a leak as well. And again, it was a leak, so who knows if it was true. But they actually had different combinations of characters getting into the limo and driving off. So, like, anybody, and they filmed, like, each person, just in case, like, you know, that scene got leaked, nobody would know who actually went over the bridge. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Like, Nathan Haley could have been in there, like, Lucas and Brooke could have been in there, like, different, a bunch of different combinations of characters to try to avoid spoilers. Isn't that crazy? Putting all that effort into avoiding leaks. Yeah. Well, we know they did that in season one when Lucas uh, shot the basket for the finale. He, uh, they had to do a shot where he made it and then a shot where he missed it. So, like, the people who were in, who were actually watching the game didn't reveal, like, what actually happened in the episode. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fucking shits on pack in season four. And Caitlin, I can't wait. Oh my god, it's about to get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't even be creative because I am too excited. But, you know, actually, no, I can be creative. Nathan Cooper and Rachel are in deep water, and it looks like we'll be in the same deep water as them. Oh, look, the same deep water as you is the title of season four, episode one, which we will discuss in a few months. But like I said, join us over on Patreon for bonus episodes and lots of fun stuff. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads... A terrifying accident at the end of Nathan and Haley's wedding sends three people to the hospital and changes the future for many more people in Tree Hill. We'll be seeing you. We're gonna be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> what? I had to do something different. 